Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. And now, with Patricia Raskin Positive Living, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Voice America, and welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living. I have a great program for you today. Um, it's a biography, and it is so fascinating. My guest is Sherry Williams. She is the heir to the Maybelline legacy. Is Tom Lyle Williams' grandniece and Evelyn Boatshire Williams' granddaughter. Growing up in their homes and steward of the vast Maybelline archives, Sherry Williams tells the story of the birth of the Maybelline empire and dishes intimate and never-before-told details in this fascinating family dynasty story. And the name of the book is The Maybelline Story and the Spirited Family Dynasty Behind It. Well, welcome, Sherry. Yes, Patricia. So nice to hear from you. Yeah. Wow. Um, it's very interesting. You know, what you say here is that when, when Sherry married Jean, your husband, in 1973, um, you had Evelyn, which you had Bill and Tom Lau's approval, and the couple was expected to go on and have a perfect life. Because after right. all... Like, like, prince, <laughs> right, like a prince and princess. Absolutely. I mean, you know, he was the handsome young attorney, and you imagined your life would be entertaining in your beautifully decorated home. That's what right. happened? What else? What happened? Something your grandmother squandered the fortune. Well, yes, what happened was my grandmother was uh, at 74 years old, captivated by a man 12 years younger than her in Newport Beach. Wow. And she wanted one last chance to have love and, you know, have uh, be adored. So she married this man, and he proceeded to convince her to take all of her money out of the family's name and put it in his name. And they moved to Hot Springs, Arkansas, and uh, it, it, it turns out he had a plan to kill her. She wow. found out about it. It was a terrible divorce, a nightmare divorce. And then um, she, she wound up... Um, going through most of her money, opening up a hot springs dinner theater palace. And then she got death threats. And before you know it, she still said, I'm opening this theater. And the day after she opened it, three explosions went off in her estate, and she was burned beyond recognition. Hmm. Are they going to make a movie of this, Sherry? (laughs) Well, if it's up to my publisher, Betty Young, they will be. What a story. You know, you hear this, you know, what, you know, when you were first talking, what I thought of was the Doris Duke story. And yes, for some yes, reason, no. I don't know, and, you know, the Doris Duke heiress, and she had met somebody who supposedly was a friend. Same thing kind of happened in a way. It's just interesting. Why do you think this happens to people, not all the time, but you hear it more than once, why does this happen to people of wealth and fame and privilege? Well, especially an older woman who all her life was gorgeous and um, in the limelight, turned heads, 
I really believe, and Nana looked absolutely amazing, even the day before she died when she was on stage um, as mistress of ceremonies at the opening of that palace. She didn't look any older than, I, I honest to God, 40, 45. Really? She'd had a facelift. She'd had breast implants. Um, she was used to having people treat her like she was forever young. Mm-hmm. So I believe that when she met this man, she thought he was sincere and for sure loved her and was, you know, fascinated by her. And so she got caught up in that. And I think even for myself at my age, um, in my early 60s, I tell myself all the time, don't think, Sherry, for one minute that any man is seriously going to be interested in you, you know, the way that you were when you were 23. So I think that that's what happened. I think that Nana took a lethal dose of vanity and it killed her. I don't know about other people, but I know women who have grown up with money, power, property, prestige. They don't, in their mind, age. They think that they're forever young Mm. and that they're forever desired, and she got caught up with the wrong kind of people. How did this story start? Did it start with her parents? In the book, um, the story starts, of course, with Tom Lau Williams, the founder of the Maybelline Company. And she marries his brother, who is my grandfather, but she's actually in love with both brothers. So it starts out with uh, Evelyn meeting these two brothers. One, uh, Tom Lyle is handsome and debonair, the owner of the Maybelline Company, and his brother Preston is a kind of a, a handsome rogue World War One vet, um, kind of a Brad Pitt, ladies' man type, you know what I mean, on screen. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, she starts to carry on this uh, lifetime love for these both men. But I hate to give the whole story away, but it turns out that Tom Lyle uh, is gay, mm-hmm. so can never return the love that she's hoping for. However, he does protect and financially support her for the rest of her life. So I, I kind of just don't want to give everything away. You tell no, me what you No, no, I wouldn't. But, it, it, but she found a way to be taken care of. Oh, yes. Well, she started off wanting to be a uh, ballet dancer. She was in the, the uh, ballet russe, the Russian ballet. And she also had studied the violin for 12 years. So she wanted a life of attention, fame. She would have loved to have gone to Hollywood and be an actress. Hmm. And so, I mean, it just went along with the type of lifestyle that she was looking for if she could marry into this illustrious family. And and not only that, then maybe even be Tom Lyle's wife. Imagine she would give up that career in a minute. And she did, but for the wrong brother. And that's the story. The um, wild ride of Preston and Evelyn and the havoc that they create for generations within the Maybelline family. Well, that was, that was going to be my next question, is what, what did you learn? Because it's in the generations. So wh- what lessons have you learned from this? I mean, what do you think are the things that you have to be careful of, which you alluded to in the beginning? And what are the lessons that you learned that also are positive that helped you? Because it's in the genes somewhere. I guess you're right. It is in my genes. Um, my grandmother did a... You know, I mean, she survived on not only manipulating men and everybody else to do her will, she relied a lot on alcohol and sleeping pills hmm. and um, tranquilizers. You know what I mean? She she was weak in that area. 
And so I think what I've learned from her, because when I was young, I too used to invade her medicine cabinet. And uh, she would say, oh, honey, you, you need a little Valium or you need a little sleeping pill or, or whatever it was to handle my nerves or, you know, a lot of parties that we used to have in those days to keep, keep going. Um, I started getting into amphetamines, anything to kind of keep the energy going and then try to relax uh, at night. So I learned to get clean and sober and get into a 12-step program. And once I got very clear that I did not want a life like my grandmother, I decided that the most important thing to me was to get my education. And so for many years, while my little daughter was growing up, I went to school two classes at a time until I finally graduated with a bachelor's degree at 54, the Mm -hmm. same week my 24-year-old daughter graduated with her bachelor's degree. And there we were with our diplomas. And, um, you know, cap and gown, mother and daughter, both graduating with psychology degrees. And that was the beginning of me realizing that there's so much more than just a pretty face that ages. Well, you know, that was was my question. And and I I say this often many times when I interview people like yourself. I find out that they're doing the work they're doing because of what they've been through. And so you're helping to transform people and to say, as you said, there's more than a pretty face. We can really make a contribution based on what you went through. What yes, else? What I saw. I mean, what, what you I saw, saw is you'll have to read the book. I mean, but it was unbelievable. I don't even know how how we survived uh, our parents and our grandparents. Um, just just way of doing business, so to speak. You know, I mean, I used to say that I grew up living on party food and grief. It was either up and gay, or it was sadness and. Uh, trying to overcome terrible things that seem to be going on within the family. But what was, what did you learn that helped you? Do you think that her tenacity, maybe her perseverance? Oh, well, the good part. The good part. Yeah, Nana what's was not all part? bad. What's the good part? She she was a fighter. She wouldn't quit. Uh, you you couldn't um, talk her out of something. Well, just think, at 74, she went to Hot Springs, Arkansas, and she she opened up that dinner palace and she wanted to continue from that point and, and open a spa where people from around the world would come to um, have eternal youth with the hot spring waters there and, and hot springs. I mean, this was a woman that wanted to give and be and do in her 90s. And she just had this incredible spirit. She was born way ahead of her time. She, mm-hmm. she had, uh, you know, boundless energy, boundless mental energy. She always looked amazing. I tell you, the woman from the, up at 5 o'clock in the morning looking gorgeous by 9 o'clock. Hmm. And, um, I mean, she was an example of a woman who was going to make something of herself, even if it wasn't really... Uh, being done in the right way, but she had the spirit of, I would say, uh, women two two generations uh, ahead of her. Interesting. Do you think this story would have happened today in the same way, or do you think this was the time period? Yes, definitely I think it was the time period, because it was the early 70s. And a woman like Evelyn, who had just inherited a great deal of money at that time, was... um, and someone like Evelyn, who was so used to being in control and calling the shots and 
and being the matriarch of the family, for her to go to a little Hot Springs, Arkansas, I would say they were like 40 years behind the times compared to where she lived in Newport Beach, California. I think that she didn't have the knowledge, the education to realize that you, you can't go to a place like that and start pushing people around. Mm-hmm. And I just feel that today women are smarter, more, you know, um, street savvy in a way. I don't think that people would, would do that. I mean, in my generation, I yeah. don't think I would know any friends or my sister or anybody that would be so bowled over and go to a place where people thought that you were kind of, um, you know, pushy and aggressive and you're a woman in a southern town and you've got a lot of money and you're, you, you, you're kicking other people out of their businesses because you want to take over the town. I mean, I just don't think that that would be done. Do you? Well, it, it seems as though that's the kind of story you hear in that period of time. You know, you've yeah, heard, heard a lot of those stories, um, particularly with celebrity. A celebrity. What advice do you give to women today? Now, remember, your family was in the beauty business, and certainly, you know, there's something to be said for beauty and for makeup. And what what are the lessons, the positive lessons you learned that you would like to pass on to women, Sherry? Well, the positive things are, you know, for me, it's naturally you always want to look the best you can look, but you have to realize that it is just the outer part of yourself, and you have to develop, you know, the, the spiritual part of yourself, especially when you get to a certain age, you know, you just, it just isn't that um, attractive trying to always be uh, a forever ingenue, you know, and for me, I just had to realize that once I started to get into my 50s, that there was something more inside of me, there was, uh, I, I wanted to get to know who I was inside, not just the reflection in the mirror. And so coming from a business where beauty and perfection was so important, I realize now that my parents are gone and, of course, my grandparents and that I'm now an older woman with grandchildren of my own, that I want them to remember who I am by the things that I do that are loving and the memories that I pass on to them. Um, kind of crystallizing the best of what my family represented and sewing it into their little lives so that they can take it with them into the future and not just be somebody who has to be the center of attention, has to try to look the youngest even when you're in your 70s. That just doesn't work anymore. You know, I just, the world has changed. Mm-hmm. It's just we have to start now um, being more sensitive to those around us, not just within our families, but as you know, just with within our travels or our everyday experiences because we're all here on this earth and learning I think, our own lessons. Don't you think in today's world, too, women are valued as much for the well-roundedness, you know, having having the career and making successes of themselves. So that, that kind of, and I don't want to use this word Barbie doll because certainly she wasn't that, but that kind of um, superficiality of just looks only, you don't see as much. I mean, you have to have other things as well. Well, just look at a lot of the stars that are now in their 50s and 60s. They're not, you know, they're changing their tune, too. They, they become more interested in giving back. 
I mean, yes, they look wonderful when you see them on camera or in the Academy Awards or something, but when you really do read about them, they have their causes now, almost like getting a little bit more like the, um, like the royal family. I guess I just was mm-hmm. so into the wedding and everything. But, you know, I mean, that is a family of glamour and prestige, and yet, you know, their daily duty is to be constantly giving and doing for um, people and countries that, that are in need. And I think that that's how it's going to have to be for for everyone, and especially if you've had an incredible life, so much has been given to you. You've got to get to the point where it's time to give back. Yeah, and so much, and I have been doing a lot of interviews on that in terms of paying it forward and giving back. So where, where do you go from here? I mean, you've written a very, very large book with Betty Young's called The Maybelline Story and the Spirited, Spirited Family Dynasty behind it. What are your goals now from writing this and from having told the story. What's next for you? Well, of course, I am doing a blog. I've been doing it for the last six months, um, five days a week. I, I do this blog. And if you've read the book or you read the book, you're going to want to know more about what happened to the people. You want to see the pictures. You want to see the vintage Maybelline ads through the, you know, the 20s, 30s, 40s. And that, in a way, is turning into an audience for me. I've had, um, you know, a lot, a lot of different people who are asking for a second book. They have asked, am I going to write my own book about my story growing up in the family? And so there is, there is a desire for me to tell my story, not just the Maybelline story, but what it was like for me, and perhaps have a speaking career, do seminars and uh, workshops, women's workshops, and be able to get out there in the world, like I said, and tell my story and hear other people's stories and hmm. see if we can all put our heads together and, and form a consciousness that is going to help better mm-hmm. the world that um, seems to be, you know, crying out for. For me, it really feels like they're crying out for the mother, like the yeah. world is crying out. We've had so much wars and violence, and we need to get the feminine spirit and energy and the hand of the, uh, the lost art of, of love back into the world is what I think. Mm-hmm. Very, very well said. Where is Maybelline today? Has it been bought out by a large company? Oh, yes, yes. It is owned by L'Oreal. It actually now is in France. Maybelline, that was an American country since 1915 until the family sold it in 1968 and, you know, several other um, sales happened within the Maybelline um, company, but now it is in France. It is owned by L'Oreal, and of course, you see the ads all the time. It's Maybelline New York. Yeah, I see a lot of uh, L'Oreal ads for sure. Yes, yeah, so that is Maybelline now, and so my my goal was to not lose the thread and be able to tell this story before it's lost forever. When I once I'm gone, it would have never. Nobody would have in my family would have had any interest in. On the story. So yeah, it's an amazing story. It's an amazing story. And um, let's talk a little bit about there are a lot of famous people also in the pictures in this book. So lots of famous people who, you know, wore Maybelline products in those days. What are oh, some yes, of, of course, well, What are some of the Lyle, the founder of the Maybelline was, um, was, it was a private company. He was a very private man, like I said. He, he had a lifetime partner, lived in the Rudolph Valentino villa. Um, in the Hollywood Hills, and he kept himself very secret. And so he used the biggest Hollywood stars to represent the Maybelline company, including Joan Crawford and 
Teddy Lamar, all the way up to uh, Betty Grable, um, Myrna Loy, all the way up to, uh, to um, Debbie Reynolds. And uh, then he decided after, by the 1950s, when Maybelline went on television, to start using a more international kind of model because Maybelline was now all over the world and it wasn't just to the stars that he used were basically like the girl next door or the, the American ideal. He wanted to start using faces that were more, you know, um, international. And eventually on my blog, I've done all of the 1920s and 30s with the ads and the stories. But once I get into television in the 50s and show the ads, you know, people will be able to see the the thought of this man who was also not only keeping up with the times, but he was also very influential in um, forming women's own ideal of themselves. So, yes, he used all the wonderful stars in the 1920s, the silent film stars in the 1930s, and, and of course, during the war days, the pinup girls and uh, the stars of the... Um, the war, the war years, but by the time the 50s came, like I said, he, he switched gears and moved into models that were uh, just uh, all, not so all-American, but had an international appeal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is really important. Before we go, tell us a little bit about the makeup, because I know that there were some special properties to the makeup and to the products. Well, in the, in, in the beginning... You know, my Auntie Mabel, who the company is named after, in the story I say that she, because this is what I'd always heard, that she'd accidentally singed her eyebrows and eyelashes off, but her family now has corrected me and said that she accidentally used a product that bleached her already pale light eyebrows off. So she mixed together, uh, trying to figure out what she could do to, get, you know, get, get some color and to make her eyebrows and eyelashes grow back. She... Um, mixed some petroleum jelly. She burned a cork from a bottle, and those were the two ingredients that she uh, formulated when her brother Tom Lyle walked in, and he had just formed a little uh, kind of a mail-order business, and he was trying to think of something that would appeal to women. And when he saw her with that uh, ash and Vaseline mixed together on the brows and lashes, he said, oh, my gosh, this, this is it. And he did formulate the first mascara and named it after her, in, in his sister's honor, Mabel, and, mm. and Vaseline, and it became Maybelline. That's something. So those were the Isn't that first something? ingredients. Well, we want people to read more. We're going to have to close, but we want people to read more. How can they find you, Sherry? Oh, please check out my website at MaybellineBook.com, and please leave me comments. Uh, I think you'll enjoy, you know, the, the book, and you'll also enjoy reading the inside stories and scoops. Like today I posted a cooking show that I did, um, a month ago, so I am making my grandmother's famous pineapple upside down cake in a skillet that was a depression goodie. So um, go to my website, www.maybellingbook.com, and watch me. You'll see me make a pineapple upside down cake. Oh, all right. Thank you so much for coming on the program. Really enjoyed oh, my, it. My pleasure. Again, Sherry Williams wrote the book with Betty Young, The Maybelline Story, and the spirited family dynasty behind it. This was part of Sherry's family. And um, we're really happy to have you on. Remember, folks, uh, that's it for now. But remember, uh, you can log on to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. I'll send you my newsletter. And also, um, let's, Sherry, what's your, what is your um, website? Oh, it's the same, www.maybellinebook.com. 
MaybellineBook.com. MaybellineBook.com. All right, again, thanks so much for being on the show. Stay on the line. All right, folks, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin for Patricia Raskin Positive Living right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Bye for now. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 